we're going to go back and kind of look at kind of uh, this series, the We Will series, and Mark, our small group's executive pastor, you, you, you picked it out. You, you know, normally during this time, the last couple of years, we've been reading, we've read a book, and it was like made a decision this year to um, instead kind of study the book of Acts, do this We Will series. Why don't you just talk to us a little bit, kind of why, kind of what your thinking was? and. Hmm. Yeah, we actually, we had the plan to, to read another book. Um, really good book, a, a book that was very uh, formative for me personally and a lot of the people that I know. And then this summer, as we were building up to it, uh, just really felt like that, um, one, the place that the Grove is at, at the moment, to, to really talk through and think about what it means to be church and what, what better place to look at that than the early church. And so Acts just kept on from a lot of different angles. It felt like the Lord was bringing that to the surface as something that we should we should study through together. Also, just the opportunity to look at a book and uh, just a, a Bible story. The, you know, Acts is this beautiful story of what happens with the early church. And so to look at that story is just a lot of fun to look at it and to ask the questions, you know, what was it about this group of people? What was it about this time period? What What are those things that we could take from that and then it, it, it's applicable for us, you know, what does it mean to be a community that looks like this uh, with such, such power, such presence of, of the Holy Spirit, um, such unity and passion and direction, and um, it's just been a lot of fun. So it's been cool walk, walking through it each week, how much it feels like um, the way that that happened and the way it just um, wasn't the plan and we kind of switched plans and to see the way that that's fit into where we are and the conversations that I'm having, you know, outside of Sunday, it's been really cool. Well, it's cool. And um, I think sometimes, like when people are discussing theology or studying the book of Acts or whatever, we spend a lot of time talking about how we're different than the first century church. You know, like the disciples are different than us because of this and this and this. But really, at its core, they were just a group of people. They were just a group of people that, that God had specifically called out to launch a movement. Mm. And really there isn't really isn't a difference. Mm. The same same Jesus, same Holy Spirit, same mission, which is kind of where we started. We started that first week just with Acts one eight, um, that that you know he says, You you will be my witnesses. But then we changed it, right? right. To to this to this we will. It's not you, it's not me, it's it's we and so you know we you know, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses, essentially everywhere. You know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What do you think it means for us? What does it mean for us? Like for them, it was a, there's just a couple of dozen of you here in this one town, and now you've got to expand out. What does it mean for us when we say, hey, when I, now we will be witnesses? Hmm. What, is, what does that mean for us in the different, you know, maybe in the same kind of way, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, where is God calling us to be witnesses? Hmm. Good question. The, uh, you know, one thing, Charlie, that was really impactful for me through the series is just you bringing attention to that, that, is, that it was a promise. I think even as I read it in the past and looked at it preparing for this series, you know, I saw that so much as a command, but it's just really cool that it was, that he was saying, hey, you, you guys are going to do this. This is what's going to happen. I promise this is coming. And so thinking about it from those terms, you know, that there's this promise that, that this, the Holy Spirit's going to empower, and when He empowers, that there's, we're going to be, uh, it's going to be hard to shut us up. 
that we, we've encountered something that's so incredible and so powerful and so life-changing that you can't make us stop talking about it. And then uh, that it's not limited to a location, but that God really does have this heart for the people right next to us, the people that are a little ways away from us, and the people that are on the other side of the planet. And um, I think that's a, that's a big piece for us, the, to open up and maybe widen our, mm. our perspective of how big God's heart is and who He cares about. And, um, that's good. That there's some piece of it that's local, mm-hmm. and, um, but if it's not global, then the, 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 the picture of God's heart's incomplete for us. That's good. And the thing I like too about kind of about the progression was, it was, like you said, it wasn't a command. He didn't go to them and say, now, now go do this. There was a progression to it. It's like, first you need to wait. And then God's power is going to overwhelm you. And then what will happen is you'll be my witnesses. And I think, you know, you, you hear that. You hear that we're supposed to go to the other side of the world or be in, impactful in some way. And you think, I don't, I don't know if I can. I, you get nervous. You get fearful. All these things hit. But, man, when God's power overwhelms you, like you said, I mean, like, I've had this great experience with God. Now His Spirit lives in me. It just flows out. And then so then we see that in Pentecost where Peter has this, you know, first the disciples are speaking in tongues. Peter speaks this really powerful sermon and all of a sudden 3,000 people have come to Christ. Mm. Now they've got this brand new church. It was it was 50 people. Now it's 3,050 people. And then that passage at the end of Acts 2 where it's like, where it describes their devotion to each other and the way that they loved each other. Man, I feel like that's just like one of the best descriptors of what it means for us to kind of love and encourage each other. Man, as you think about our small groups and just kind of the way God's called us to live, What's the best way for us to model that Acts 2.42 kind of mentality? Yeah, I mean, the, the picture is just that they were living together and that they were trusting in, leaning on one another, uh, doing life like a team. And our culture is just so, uh, just pushes so hard against that for everybody to kind of live in their own silo, to do things on their own, to keep anything that might not make them or their family look beautiful to kind of hide those things and shield it and not to be authentic and you just see this group of people that evidently i mean their garage doors are open mm-hmm. uh, they, they're not living with privacy fences it sounds almost like their their front doors open and um, evidently they're they're eating together a lot and uh enjoying, enjoying each other's company and you know the, yeah. the, the full picture of what it would look like to do life together and um you know, our small groups, that's what we're shooting for. That's what we would love to see. I think it's its a big jump from the culture that we live in to, to live like that, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the garage doors, the privacy fences, I mean, those really are just metaphors. You know, I don't want to get where it sounds like I'm trying to be profound or something, but it's like it's, it's the garage door of your heart, Mark, mm. that needs to open. You are, man. You are. Uh, so so, 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 so take a moment and just reflect okay, on that. Let me write that down seconds. real quick. <laughs> you know it, that that that's really what, what's going on here. It's 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 my heart is closed, and then I've got this this fence that I've put around me, mm. where I'm not I'm not really going to tell you what's going. I'm not going to let you in enough. And the way that they lived was very physically open, but you just imagine that. What came with that was the thing that I think that we most need to deal with is is to break down the walls with each other where it's like, man, I really do have people in my life that I'm just like, 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you what's 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 really going on inside me. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that that kind of love and connection that they had it was obviously it was incredibly attractive. It says the Lord they had favor with all the people, mm-hmm. and the Lord added to their number daily. And I think if there's anything that hasn't changed over two thousand years, it's that that if we were living in such a way where um, we did have that level of relationship everyone would be drawn to that, mm. you know? Mm. And so then they kind of go out from there. They kind of got this big energy boost, and now we kind of get into the story of Peter and John healing, healing the guy, and then all of a sudden it's like starting, they're starting to take, take notice, and they find themselves in some more difficult situations. And um, that was week three. We talked about that. That was when, when you were preaching, and I think our we will that day was to be bold. Mm-hmm. Man, you... I just feel like that, man, that's just something that like we could talk about all the time. We're so timid. I think there's just so many things that, that hold us back where it's like, oh, I don't want to offend somebody. I don't, it might be weird. It might be awkward. Boldness, we struggle with that. So just give me one thing. One thing, like tell them, like, here's one thing that you can do that will help you be bold with your faith. Mm. You know... <clears throat> I've always thought about you know that that promise that we will be witnesses. Um, I just have always felt like if if I had a genuine um, you know encounter with Jesus, and I really did get a, get my mind around and my heart around that He died for me and gave me life and is my only hope, mm-hmm. that I would just naturally want to give that to others. And we're, we're so often just timid to, to just share that with somebody. But in everything else with life, if we eat a good meal at a restaurant, we're not timid to go tell somebody about that restaurant. If, right. we're, you know, if we find something at a great store that's got a big sale, we, we're not afraid to go talk about that. We, we give re- referrals to the things we love all the time. Mm. And yet for some reason we move into this area and we get timid and scared. And I think the boldness that, uh, if there's any area, the boldness that should press through there is if if we've tasted and seen that he is mm. good, how can we, how can we be silent? That's what I see from this group. You you sense that they want everybody else to experience this incredible thing that they found, and even if uh, the officials come along and threaten them or beat them or throw them in jail, it only makes them more emboldened because right. they know what they've experienced is real. And so they even say, you know, they even say to those religious leaders, hey, is it for us to obey you or mm. to obey God? You, you, we're going to obey God because this, is, this thing is so powerful that um, we, we're, we're more afraid of Him than we are of you. Right. Yeah, I think that's good, man. Just to put it, we've, we've, got, we've got my relationship with God, my involvement in the church, we've got it in a completely different category. There, man, we, I'm, we're selling things all the time. Like I'm trying to I'm always trying to get people. I've, I've joked about this, right? I'm trying to get people to come to Razorback basketball games. Trying, mm-hmm. hey, come to the red white game. Like, like, I have no problem selling that, but sometimes, like, well, I'm gonna invite him to church, though. But it's, I experienced this. I like it. It's meaningful to me. It'd be awesome if it was also meaningful to you, because I think it would be good for you, good for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So then things start to turn a little bit. We have that story with. Um, they're not feeding the widows well, which where we talked about we will need to be servants, that we need to, we need to be out there. And I think that's, that's good. You know, we've talked about with the community care team, the food pantry, just looking for opportunities to find a place to, 
to serve, to look for hurting people, to love them, serve them. And again, I think it's one of those things, there's not, there's not a lack of opportunity out there. We just need to take them. But then everything changes for them after that. It says that, that the movement began to grow, but then the power structure started to really notice and get frustrated, scared, nervous, whatever. And then now Stephen mm-hmm. is brought before, and, and he's, he's killed, and now everybody's spread out. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's good. I think it's good to have a realistic assessment that just because you're being who God's called you to be doesn't mean that everything's going to go great. What, can, what, what encouragement do you give to somebody who they're trying to live right for God, but it's just they're not, they're not seeing what they wish that they could see? Mm. Yeah, I mean, Charlie, this is something that I've, I've noticed these last couple of years. It's just been a, a personal kind of journey for me. Just, you know, some things that have come up that I look at and go, well, why this? It seems like we're doing this, this, and this right. And, um, you know, the equation that I naturally think about is, well, if I do this and this, then God is going to do this. And um, when it, you know, you look at Stephen, it's like, well, Stephen's doing this, this, and man, he's got the this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And the natural outcome should be this, and it's not. But, um, but then it's a beautiful picture of then you back up, and the very thing that God promised would happen, happens through this, this thing that we never would have wished upon Stephen. You know, then, then the group spreads, and right. they go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Um, and so you see God's movement, even in this horrible thing that you never would wish upon anybody, God is doing something much bigger, and He uses this, this mm-hmm. thing that uh, we never would have prayed for or asked for, but God uses it for His glory. And I, I think so much we just fall short of that, being able to, we just don't have those glasses. And so we, we're so, it's just insufficient, our, our perspective of things. You know? he's just, God's just playing a different game. Mm-hmm. My, my game is, if I do this, good things happen to me. Right. It's about me. Yeah, God's got just such a bigger picture game that involves all seven plus billion of us and hundreds, thousands of years in the future mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to work all that together. And what I'm, all I can see is me no likey this. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I think it, I think it does. It's like the, the, the death of Stephen was a great thing. Mm-hmm. From this perspective, it wasn't great for Stephen, mm. obviously, and it and it hurt at the time, but it accomplished great things, and mm. I think that's a good perspective to have. So then we get introduced, and this is kind of how we wrapped it up. We get introduced to this guy Saul, and we see this story. We talked about these moments that we need to have, you know, a conversion moment like Saul did, a lordship moment like Ananias, where it's like I'm willing to do whatever, and then a mission moment of. My life is about other people. So let's just, let's just wrap this up. Let's just wrap it up practical. So we can keep talking inspirational about what they did. Let's just make a list. What are some things people should do? Okay, all that's true. I, I, I want all this to be true. I want to be we will. I want to do like what the church did. I want to say yes to the moments, which is kind of how we wrap things up on that last Sunday. And now they're like, all right, I cut through all the hype. What, what, what does a Grove Church person need to start doing now? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think step one is that this is a group of people we see in Acts who are head over heels in love with Jesus. Hmm. You know, I mean, they've hmm. got their eyes on him. They're, um, he's, he's empowered them, and they're trusting in and leaning on that power. And, um, 
And I think, I mean, step one is if, if there's anybody who hasn't made a genuine decision to really put their eyes and faith in Jesus, you know, you pushed on some of those lordship moments. I mean, that maybe that we, we look to him, but we don't really let him have the, the driver's seat, that that would be a huge, mm-hmm. for sure, if nothing else, this, right. and it almost kind of answers some of the other questions. But Yeah, I think too, I mean, as you know, you joke about it, you know, every, 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 every talk I heard in college seemed to end with, you know, read the Bible and pray. <laughs> I mean, I just think you have this talk, these talks about who we should be. And I think there's just some basic things we need to make sure that we're all doing. I mean, we need to get in a small group. Mm-hmm. I need these people around me and I need to not just attend a weekly Bible study. I need to be in a group and have myself people that I'm really going to let into my life to encourage me. I need to be looking for a place to serve. I mean, those things that churches say all the time. You need to get into a small group. You need to serve. I mean, but you need to get into a small group and you need to serve. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, like I, that's what like what they did for those widows. I need. We need to be serving each other. And I don't. I mean, you you walk out the door. It's not like oh man, I just don't. I just don't see people in need that I could that I could help. Um, get in a small group. Find a place to serve. And kind of just live your life with eyes wide open that say, where is God calling me to impact? You live your life like that with eyes wide open, and, um, and God, God will give you the opportunities. I was actually talking to my oldest daughter about this the other day. God's been kind of putting some things on her heart as far as mission goes. And we were just talking about how that God's not going to grab somebody asleep on the couch or whatever and just... And then, hey, hey, and just yank them up and throw them out there and say, this is what I want you to do. Mm. It happens when people are in motion. I'm, I'm, I may not, it may not be my life's purpose to serve the two-year-old toddler class, but I'm likely to find my mission, more likely to find it by starting to serve than I am just waiting for something. I may, I may, God may not be calling me to, to feed the homeless, but if I start feeding the homeless... God's got a heart and a life that's now in motion and he can steer. It's like it's rare that God just like takes stationary people and shoves them. Mm-hmm. He takes people whose lives are in motion that say, and I want my life to matter. I want to, I want to be the right person. And he steers that energy. And so I think the thing that I would just say is just, man, just get that energy going. Take the step. Take the step of connection at your church. Take this step of connection in small group. Find a place to serve both inside and out. And then just live a life with your eyes open to say, God's going to be steering me. And and I think that we will see some awesome things in our church and people's lives. So, dude, thanks for hanging out here oh, with yeah. us, kind of recapping this. Again, thanks for putting the series together in the first place. I thought it was great. Thanks to all of you for for checking this out. Hope to see you on Sunday, 9 and 10.30. Uh, You guys take care.